Hello, welcome all to episode three of the Middle Earth in Mercia podcast, The Breaking of the Fellowship. Hello everyone, I'm your host Sonny and this is the Middle Earth in Mercia podcast. Now I know I am making a bit of a habit every podcast are going over this but I just want to say thank you once again for listening. Uh, we've had a great reception to episode 2 once again and I can actually see uh, based on the viewing figures that we've got new people still coming in and actually going back and listening to episode 1 so that's fantastic. And if you are enjoying the podcast and you do want to support us the number one way you can support us is to help us grow. Uh, please tell your friends about the podcast. Please like the Facebook page. Subscribe to us on your podcast provider of choice. Uh, we do have some uh, affiliate links that are out there. I'm not going to go on about them. If you want to find them, they are there. But for me, uh, the thing that I'm enjoying the most is uh, is growing the podcast and increasing uh, contact with you, the listeners. Now, Unfortunately, I do need to start off on a bit of a bum note, really, but I think it's best uh, to just peel off the plaster straight away and go into it so we can move on from it. I've had a bit of an update from Chris, unfortunately, and it's not really uh, the update I would have liked to have heard, really. Um, he's come to me and uh, explained that he feels he is perhaps uh, overcommitted and that going to Articon for a four-day event, the two-day doubles uh, and the two-day singles perhaps isn't for him and he doesn't he doesn't feel up for it. Um, obviously, everybody is entitled to, you know, make the decisions that are right for them. I, I don't quite understand it. There's nothing more to it. Um, Chris is fine, which obviously I'm very happy about. There's no... There's no nefarious or bad reason or falling out or anything like that that's caused this it is a bit out of, a, out of the blue from my perspective but you know we're, we're grown-ups and I, I have to respect his decision if uh, if it's not for him then there's nothing I can do about it um, I mean from my perspective uh, nothing changes in my friendship with him um, we, we have a long-running friendship and we've both been there for each other and some in really important and difficult times, but obviously that aside, I'm I'm completely gutted. I I feel like uh, someone has cancelled Christmas and told me if I want to attend Boxing Day, then it's going to cost a hell of a lot more than I was planning. Like placing aside sort of instances, you know, like serious things where people uh, are unwell or things like that. I'm pretty much as as gutted as I can humanly be. Uh, I think. The last time I felt like this, my motorcycle had just been nicked. The police had just told me they weren't coming out to look into it and I had no way to get to work. Yeah, um, beyond gutted. Uh, I, I can't really articulate how much I was uh, looking forward to going to an event like that with one of my closest friends. Uh, it, it would have been immense, but obviously it wasn't to be. Now. I have had a bit of a think about it. Uh, honestly, uh, the evening of, of when I, I got this news, 
I genuinely felt like just packing up all of my models into a box, calling off all the other tournaments, never visiting the podcast again, and just spending the summer working on my motorcycles and riding them, like, you know, throwing myself into another hobby. That's kind of, that was my initial gut reaction. However, I have really enjoyed doing this podcast. I've really enjoyed getting some of my, uh, not new mates, but some of my other mates into this war game uh and i've even convinced one of my mates who's not been involved in war gaming at all to pick up lord of the rings i've been loving all of that I've been loving meeting up with the guys uh and uh playing on a weekly basis to try and get in the rhythm of things i've been loving uh crafting a theme for an army like i i normally just sort of do drips and drabs with my my lord of the rings but to actually come up with like this is the idea for the army this is the theme for the army these are the painting schemes for the army and and looking to deliver it as a cohesive force uh, through an event i have been loving that and, and those around me uh, those are close to me my lovely girlfriend even she has picked up on how much enjoyment it's uh, it's brought me and how not that I'm not energised normally, but that I have just got particularly energised about this. Um, and yeah, that motivation is, is leading to results, which is then bringing further enjoyment. And yeah, uh, once the initial shock is worn off, uh, I've thought to myself, no, like I'm not going to throw my toys out of the pram. That's a silly thing to do. I'm a 30-year-old bloke. You know, I, I need to crack on, on with this and I need to make the best of the situation as I can. And Chris has made his decision, but I've got my own decision to make. And my my hesitation, I think, really, is because I am a friendly guy. I'm, I'm I think I'm very good to those close to me, but um, I, I do struggle a little bit in sort of situations where I, I don't know anyone, where it's a room full of people, uh, and and I don't know anyone, and I can struggle a bit with that, and um, and I tend to go, be quite quiet. Uh, which is quite against my personality, really, once you get to know me. And yeah, my hesitation is certainly going to a four-day event, not knowing anyone, is not something I would have bought a ticket for, not in a million years going into it. However, I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to stick with it through hell or high water. I'm going to go. Now, this poses several several challenges to me, obviously. I don't have a doubles partner anymore. That sort of feels like I'm up river river without a, a paddle, really, there. I am speaking to, because Chris has said, like, he's held his hands up and said, like, obviously, this is my decision, that he he will pay for the ticket if we, we can't sell it on, or he will possibly subsidize the ticket to encourage someone to go with me. So I have got a few friends that I'm encouraging to come with me. Obviously, I don't want to put too much pressure on on them. If they don't want to come, they don't want to come. But uh, I I think all of the guys that play with me, like Ash you've heard from, Tom you've heard about but not met, and my friend Alex also, who's a new recruit, um, they are still learning the game. And I'm a little daunted by the prospect of singles. So, of course, they are quite intently as well, intensely as well. Ash just can't, straight up can't make make it due to... um, calendar conflicts uh and tom is an unknown in terms of his availability at the moment he's got some stuff in his life developing that he needs to see where it goes so that only really leaves alex really and i do not blame the guy for not being up 
for the singles, um, regardless uh, of how much or little it costs. But he's sort of on the reserve list at the moment for the possible doubles. So yeah, that is the big challenge number one. Uh, challenge number two is financially. I, I live in Coventry, obviously. Uh, Manchester is quite a long way away. Going it alone doubles my transport costs. Uh, it probably doesn't double my accommodation costs, but it's certainly going to increase it because I can't be in a twin. So I, I, I'm going to try and sort out a doubles partner. I'm going to try and sort out someone else to go with. But I obviously have to plan for the worst case scenario where it's just me going. So yeah, those are all things I'm thinking about. But a lot of those things are quite uncertain. So one thing I would say is if you are a Middle Earth uh, player who lives in Mercia, which is within travelling distance of Coventry to the point that we could meet up, play some games together, and you're desperate for a ticket to Articon, here I am. Uh, drop me a line at middleearthinmercia at gmail.com. Uh, maybe we can make something good out of this situation. A, uh, a new friendship. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, no offense to people that live a bit further afield than an hour, but I just think it would be good to uh, be able to meet up, uh, have a chat, play some practice games and get to know each other and, you know, uh, go into, into the event bit of being, like, you know, decently familiar with with each other and uh, how we play games and stuff um, but yeah please do if that description fits you now off the back of all this news there is probably one more topic that needs to be discussed of what does this mean for the podcast and I think that I haven't discussed it directly with Chris but I think the reality of it being as the overarching sort of story of the podcast at least for this first season as I've said before we may or may not carry on we've got to see what happens but the, the pinnacle of this first season, possibly only season, is the trip to Articon. And the doubles at Warhammer World that me and Chris are still going to attend is definitely part of that story. So you will hear from him again. But I think the reality is is he's probably not going to continue as a co-host. And he's going to move more to being a contributor like Ash was last week, like I hope Tom will be in future. And if I can convince him, uh, I'm hoping Alex will too. Uh, I've definitely envisioned this as being a bit of an ensemble uh, with these sort of uh, interviews and getting uh, different perspectives and sort of batting ideas around because, yeah, that was my orig original concept of just sort of formalizing the, the conversations we have uh, as a group as we go through this journey. And uh, several of the guys are also interested in going to tournaments. So although out of the... Uh, Middle Earth in Mercy gang, I may well wind up being the only person going to Articon itself. They are going to be involved. Chris is going to be involved. But I'm giving you your warning now. If you were just tolerating my voice so that you could hear a bit more of Chris, you're going to hear a lot more from me and probably a reasonable amount less from him. So, yeah, uh, I am sad about it. I'm disappointed about it all. But um, what can you do? Onwards and upwards, really. Now, my final bit in this segment. Yeah, unfortunately, we haven't had any emails this week, which I'm very disappointed. I was extremely excited about that first email, but maybe we just got uh, lucky to receive one so soon. But yeah, if you are out there, if you are enjoying it, uh, especially this week, uh, I could do with a little bit of encouragement. 
please do write to the podcast, middleearthinmercia at gmail.com. Uh, or you can hit me up on the, the Facebook. That's the, the name of the podcast uh, is our page. Uh, it'd be great to hear from you. And it would definitely be great for me to, you know, just have a little push to keep on doing this. Uh, I have, however, had a um, perspective list uh, submitted from Thomas, who's part of the Ardacon, uh, you know, singles team lineup. So, yeah, I thought I could read through that in a bit, and that'd be interesting to review with you all, give my thoughts on it, and uh, comment on how it contrasts to my current work in progress. So hobby-wise, really, I've had another two great weeks, uh, truth be told. So when you heard from me last time, I had basically done quite a bit of rep on a fair few models. I had done my ba- basing, and I was looking for my next steps, really. Now, I've kind of broken the original ethos I had with the painting. My original plan was that I was just going to get everything table-ready, battle-ready, which was to just do all uh, base layers on everything, get the army done, then go back and do my shading and my edge highlighting. I did kind of throw that out the window. I'm not sure whether it was a good decision, whether it was ill-disciplined or whether it was good for the motivation. Basically, I was looking at my my Abracan guard. I think I've mentioned it several times. I really like those models. Uh, and I was like, okay, let's just finish one of them. And long story short, I finished all six. I got them onto their bases. I'm really happy with how, how they look. If you um, if you go on the Facebook or if you go on to my personal uh, Instagram, which is Lord of Hykra, there's pictures on, on both the podcast Facebook and my personal Instagram of those models. I'm really happy with how they've come out. Played them in a few games, which I'll talk more about later, and they've done really well. Yeah, just... Loved it. Uh, I think, yeah, we're calling it back to probably the right decision. It's been good for motivation, but I do need to crack on and just uh, continue to get things uh, battle ready. So other than that, what I've done is I've finalized the formula for my bases. I've uh, prepared some sort of uh, sealant, which is just um, matte, clear wood varnish, uh, some PVA, uh, both of them about 7.5% of the mixture, the rest of it is all water in a spray bottle with a little bit of uh, fairy liquid in there as a flat flow aid. That seals everything in nice and rock solid, make sure nothing falls off. And the only other thing my bases were really missing was I wanted a little bit more green. So I've managed to get hold of uh, some shrubs, uh, which I put on there. And yeah, to, together with the other variations uh, I'm doing with them, which I may not make a video on. I've had a few of my friends ask me about that. I was thinking about... I'm not going to do a YouTube channel. It's not going to be a full YouTube channel, but maybe having a companion YouTube channel so that if I'm getting quite a few questions about a specific thing, I can do a short video on it. And uh, yeah, just because I've got a couple of mates that want to know how I do my bases, I'll wind up showing both of them individually anyway. Maybe I should just record it and and show my process. And then if any of you are interested in that, you, you can copy my method. All of my methods are stolen from other people. (laughs) 
I will hold my ha- hands up, and then I've uh, I've cobbled them all together into my own uh, formula. So if I do do that, I will link to the people that have inspired me um, that are on the internet that have, have taught me um, how to do this because there are so many great content creators out there uh, sharing their methods. And um, yeah, learned so much about basing in the last year, but specifically in the last month, I've uh, really stepped it up. The the thing I think is about great about basing is that it's easy it's really low skill uh, like once you learn it you know how to do it you can do it time and time again and it's really quick everyone's entitled to do hobby in their own way but i do think it's a great shame when i see somebody that has uh, painted a model to a much higher standard than i have and then they've got a really really basic base on there i, I just think it's a simple thing people can do cheaply that really elevates um the, the level of their models uh, I think an average model on a great base becomes a becomes a, a very good model and if you are a very skilled painter you, you just take it to that whole new level so yeah maybe I'll share that so anyway moving on I've spoken enough about basing that's what I've been doing on that other than that what I've been doing is furiously bidding on eBay I eventually just gave up I couldn't manage to get any more serpent riders for a good price and I couldn't find any raiders for a good price um so the raider the haradim raiders were out of stock at most stockists um, but they had come back in at games workshop so i ordered uh that from them and some new paints one or two i've got quite a decent selection as it is but just a, a couple of things i thought that would help me save me um mixing as i had done save some time on that and i discovered that wayland games who are a a um you know, local game store that uh, I frequently order from online. Uh, I discovered strangely they have an eBay website, which does uh, not website. They have an eBay store, which doesn't stock everything that they've got on their main site. But the things it does stock is significantly cheaper than what they have on their website. So Serpent Riders on their website are twenty four pound. I think you qualify for a free delivery with that, but I'm not sure. But twenty four pounds. Or say it's delivered, but on their eBay store, they're £20 delivered. So, uh, yeah, I picked up another two of them, uh, bringing my cavalry numbers uh, to six raiders and four serpent guard, which for my half of the doubles army, I think is more than enough and should give me a bit of a variation in my practice games to, you know, make different lists. So, with that, I've already got Suladan, I've already got all my Harrod and Warriors, I've got my uh, Abrakan guard. I've got my Watchers of Karna, and I've got my Serpent uh, Rider dismount. So that really finishes off everything I've got to buy. It is just a matter of basing them all and uh, painting them all, gluing them all together, really. Um, So yeah, I'm just cracking on with that, really. What I've uh, been doing this evening, just before this, is all the horses had arrived today, actually. So I've just been scraping off all the uh, mould lines off them cleaned them up uh been using my sprue glue on the uh the plastic horses which sprue glue if you're not aware of is basically uh you get your plastic cement i use tamia extra thin uh when you've got a, a pot that's say 20 25% of it less uh you just keep adding um sp- uh, bits of sprue into it until it melts down and it forms like it is still runny, but it's reasonably solid consistency. And then use it on uh, on plastic uh, models to glue when you've done your dry fit 
which uh, if you don't do, start doing. Um, it only takes a second and you'll save yourself a lot of headaches. So when you dry fit and you see that you've got quite a reasonable size gap there, you get your bit of screw, uh, sprue glue, I can't say it. You get your sprue goo, um, you apply it on there and it should fill in all the gaps or at least most of them. And then you can save yourself some time on not having to do as uh, as much green stuff filling. So uh, I've, I've done that on them. And then on the metal serpent riders, I've removed the mold lines on them. And uh, to glue them together, I've actually used a, a new product, uh, which I saw recommended online. Well, it's not a new product, new to me, um, which is gor uh, Gorilla uh, Glue Super Glue, which everyone will have already heard of, but the gel. Um, now, I've been primarily using this uh, to glue my models to their bases because I, I snip the uh, the little letterbox insert or whatever you want to call it on the bottom of them. I cut that off. I seal the bases up completely. I, I make all my bases and then once I finish painting the model, uh, I snip them off and I glue them onto there. And uh, sometimes that leads to a lot of pinning if uh, the model... Uh, doesn't have a large surface interacting with the base uh, or if you've perhaps put um, quite rough aggregate or something like that on there um, uh, it allows you to get a better purchase and I highly recommend it for that but what I have just tried is using it on these metal serpent riders because I knew that they had quite considerable uh, gaps on the legs where you uh, uh, where you glue them on and I'm, I'm looking at the model now and it does seem to have done not as well, but a similar job to the sprue goo um, on these metal models. I think it is going to, I'm definitely still going to have to do some, uh, because it doesn't melt the metal, obviously, in the same way that the sprue goo plastic cement does. I'm still going to have to do some green stuff filling, but I think it should reduce the workload. So if I can remember on episode four, uh, I'll report back on how that's gone and uh, whether I recommend using it for that as well. So yeah, all, all in, another two good weeks uh, of hobby. I'm hoping when I speak to you next time that I will have uh, maybe as many as half a dozen horses uh, battle ready and on their bases. That would be great. I really want to integrate the horses uh, into my practice ar armies so I can get uh, so I can see how they work. So moving on to practice games, uh, played quite a few games since I last spoke to you two weeks ago. So yeah, I, I reckon off the top of my head, I've probably played at least eight games of uh, Lord of the Rings uh, since the last time, uh, which is really good, sort of managing that every week really. Uh, and I think if I keep going at this rate, I should be like pretty well versed by the time we get there. So yeah, the the games have been playing. Uh, so we've um, Ash actually hasn't uh, attended since the last time I spoke to you, but I have had quite a few games. Oh no, sorry, tell light. Ash did attend uh, the first time. I was just teaching Alex, which is why I didn't play him. But yeah, so I, I've played quite a few games against Alex, who is uh, my, my longtime friend that I used to work with as an engineer. Um, he's completely new to wargaming altogether. But I did used to play uh, Magic the Gathering with him and uh, also the Game of Thrones board game. And I know he's a big fan of Lord of the Rings, so I thought this might be a good entry for him. And yeah, he's absolutely loved it. He's ordered his first army. Um, he, he was so interested in it. 
which is going to be um, the Halls of Thranduil. So he's got some royal guard, uh, he's got some horsemen coming, and he's got Thranduil himself. So it's going to be a really melee uh, choppy army. But yeah, I, I've been teaching him. I'm really happy with how he's progressing. I've played at least four or five of those games, that I said, uh, entirely against him. And yeah, he's making really great progress. Um, we actually played... Uh, was it? Yeah, it was last night. And yeah, I think he's just about got the, the all the fundamentals of the game, you know, movement, shooting, the basic heroic actions. And I've started sort of uh, showing how you can use those in different ways. Banners, all that kind of, of jazz. Uh, I think next time we play, I'm going to choose some sort of real uh, ca- cavalry focused armies. So then he can learn that. Uh, and then moving on from that, we'll probably introduce some monsters, really focus on them. And then we'll probably uh, move into spellcasting. And that should be bare bones, uh, the core mechanics of the game. And uh, and, and then really he can just uh, f- focus on, you know, learning the the strategy and the close level tactics of, uh, you know, sort of the combat dance. So, yeah, I, I can't really comment on Ashes's, Ash's progress because I haven't played him specifically. But Tom is coming on leaps and bounds, really. So he has also invested in his own army and his has been delivered and he is uh, painting and basing at a startling rate. He's actually outdoing me at the moment, I would say. So he's doing a Rivendell army uh, led by Elrond and his sons. Uh, and I think he's also got Lindor. But that, Elrond and his sons are sort of what he's focusing on at the moment. He's also got a command pack with... Um, a banner, a captain, and then a shed load of high elves and two packs of Rivendell knights, which are going to be quite scary. I played six of them the other day, and yeah, he's. Um, uh, I think it really helps get you in and help you learn the detail of the game when you're able to focus in on that one army. It it is fine as an introduction when they were sort of using my loner armies just to you know get them into it but i think once you've got your own army you can really focus on learning those rules so that you don't have to think about them you can then focus on on the game itself and that's sort of where tom's at now uh i i do think that um he, he's got the strongest wargaming background out of any of the guys that are learning the game that that is definitely helping him excel quicker but yeah we had no no one else could make it so we decided to do a 900 point game quite large i know um, but we did actually get it done in about three hours so a respectable amount of time really with, with a few breaks in between and uh yeah we were playing uh, storm the camp where you've got to defend your own camp and storm the other one uh, and i played a 900 point force of mordor uh, which had a very large contingent of uh walks uh about five mortal knights uh a troll chieftain uh a low level um a low level ring wraith a numenorian captain on the horse with lance and a smattering of orcs allied in was also uh Suladan, um some haradim abakan guard uh, a couple of watches of corn at karna and then as uh, many bowmen as I could fit in, which was nine, to provide the, the bow force. And uh, it was just a really good game, really. I, I do think that elves are always solid. And I wasn't really playing an optimized list. I kind of just went 
it was 900 points, so I was pushing the boat out a bit. I just sort of chose uh, what I had roughly painted. Um, so I'm not making excuses there. I don't think it was a weak list, but it's perhaps, you know, if I was going to a tournament that was 900 points, it's certainly not what I would have brought. And I think the thing with elves is that there's not really a bad list you can make out of them because of that high fight skill. It, it just means you've got a solid list. And I, th I think what Tom was playing, um, Elrond, the... Um, Two sons on horses, six Rivendell knights, a shed load of bowmen, and a shed load, uh, a shed load of bowmen with spears, and a bucket load of um, just uh, high elves with uh, with a uh, two ha hand and a half elf swords. I think that's a really good basic solid list. Again, not necessarily what you would take to a tournament, uh, but a, a good decent list. And uh, and Tom is really getting to the level where he's playing well now. It was a real challenge. And uh, it was really nice to see somebody that I think probably a month ago was playing his first game to see them like off offering up a challenge. Uh, I think I was I was still able to outdo him on sort of, you know, uh, the the small level tactics, the, the combat dancers I, I keep uh, calling it, which I think is very fitting. Which was just down to experience, and yeah, to, to be honest, uh, and I think to be honest, uh, I'd be a bit disappointed in my own skills based on experience, and uh, a bit fearful of uh, Tom's uh, rising skills if he was already out doing. But I, I said to him, Mordor is kind of uh, my comfort zone. I have played so many games with them. I played them more than any other faction, and I think as he gets to know his Rivendell list. And as I have to start learning a new list in the form of Harad, I don't think his first victory against me is a million miles away. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised by the time we're hitting episode five or six if uh, I'm coming on here and saying, oh, I've, had a I've had a great practice game against uh, Tom and he's done me. But uh, yeah, it was, um, it, was, uh, it was Storm the Camp. And uh, to be honest... So it sort of played out a, a, a bit like this. We were both standoffish. I was using my Moran and Orcs uh, to shield my Harad Bowman. And it sort of formed a bit of a gun line. And we were exchanging quite a bit of bow fire. I got lucky and managed to take maybe one or two horses off his Rivendell Knights. Which was uh, really good for me. Uh, he did have one excellent round of shooting where he managed to just kill, I think it was five standard orcs in one turn, which sort of forced me to come out a bit because I thought I, I can't take another round of that. My cavalry, I um, sort of did a heroic march to get right on top of them and then uh, we both engaged and he did win in the end, but I basically nullified the cavalry um, from getting into my infantry, which was what I was really fe fearful. Them coming in with that very high fight skill straight into my infantry, I think they would, with lances, they would have been absolutely slaughtered. So uh, I was hoping, with the sheer amount of wargs I had, that I could break through on his cavalry. But that that high fight skill, the decent amount of defense, uh, having um, both and having the twins there. Uh, they did eventually uh, win out, but I held them up long enough that uh, it, it didn't really affect the rest of the game. And elsewhere, sort of, I, I was able to make contact with his infantry when I chose. He then did quite a good move, um, doing a heroic march to sort of flank me. Um, but I had enough reserves that were, were quality at the back end of sort of my little column that uh, they were able to... Uh, 
to meet that and uh, do a decent amount of damage uh, long enough and hold them up long enough uh, to allow my troll to get to Elrond. And this is where an element of luck definitely comes into the game. So Elrond and the troll meet. I do have a banner in range. Tom didn't have a banner in range. I'm fight skill 7. I think Elrond is fight skill 6 if I'm uh, not mistaken. But regardless, we both heroic striked on that first turn. Uh, I got, I think it was a 1 or a 2. He got a 4 or 5 and went straight up to 10. So he won the uh, heroic strike for all intents and purposes. We then roll. I got, uh, I'm going to say it's a 6. And Tom got a 4. So would have had to use both remaining points of might to bring it up to a 6 to win the, the game. Uh, not win the game, to win that fight. Obviously, if Tom then uh, did that, he would... he would need to kill the troll in one turn, which at the time he only had Elrond and a Spearman in on him. So not great odds. And he would have left been left mightless. So Tom did what I think was the, the right choice in a bad situation, and he chose not to spend those two points of might. I then rendered Elrond, and he had to spend two... Even with his re-rollable fate, he had to spend... So first, he spent a point of fate, Failed it, re-rolled it, failed it. Takes a wound. Uh, well, no, doesn't take a wound straight at that point. Then he did a, another point of fate. He rolled it, failed it, rolled it again, failed it. So then had to spend his third point of fate, and on that one he did succeed. But this left uh, Elrond on two wounds, no fate, which was incredibly bad luck. Only two points of might remaining. Fast forward to the next turn. Uh, he did win priority. I called a heroic move of uh, Sylladan, who was nearby. Uh, I won the roller. Get back into uh, Elrond. We we both heroic strike again uh, this turn. The same thing happens. I got a 1 or a 2, got taking me up to an 8 or a 9. He goes straight up to, to fight skill 10. We roll again, and uh, this time it's too big a difference. He rolled sort of 1s and 2s across the board. I was up on a six. There was nothing he could do. I won the combat. I rendered him again. And that was the end of uh, Elrond. Um, just incredibly bad luck. I did try and reassure Tom because obviously he's a new player. Elrond is the exact kind of character you want to get into a troll um, to help you kill him. I, I did explain that obviously in those situations you really do ideally want to make sure that you're able to, to gank the troll. Um, super ideally trap him so that you can get enough hits in to ensure that you kill him despite his high defense. Uh, but yeah, just on top, I, I, I can't chalk that part of the game up to anything other than than luck on on my part. Very unlucky for Tom. Very unlucky. Uh, and yeah, the the rest of the game really, he he managed to was it? No, he didn't quite manage to break me, and I broke him. So it wound up uh, a bit, uh, being a, a nil to points uh, victory to me. But there were definitely points that I was very worried that he was just going to do me. There was uh, some other luck as well. Two of his Rivendell Knights did manage to break away. They were heading right for my camp. Uh, and then my Bowman, who hadn't really done a much all game, 
uh, put their shots into here, into them, killed both horses, and that kind of just stopped that in their tracks. I was able to catch them up with uh, infantry, and they they were never gonna be able to take the camp really. So yeah, uh, I mean, how I've given the description there, it does sound a bit one-sided, and uh, that everything went my way, but certainly not. Uh, on a different day, Elrond kills my troll. He helps him win that middle battle. He breaks me, and maybe he breaks through to my camp. I definitely don't think it's going to be long until Tom gets his first victory. Uh, but the most important thing out of that game is we both had a great time. Uh, I could tell Tom really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was it was nice having uh, a challenge, and I really look forward to our next game. So now I'm going to move on to talking about my the work in progress on the doubles list for me and Chris for Harad, and I'll prospectively hopefully be able to find someone to, to use the Harad army with at Ardicon as well. So I think the best starting point, because my my list is kind of in flux, so I'm going to go over to the list that uh, uh, Thomas sent me and sort of comment about how it compares to what I've got, what I think is good about this and uh, what's not. So they're, they're starting off. So it's Warband 1, Siladan uh, on horse. Definitely what I've got in my list. Uh, accompanied with three serpent riders, who is a good choice. Um, two Harad raiders with spear and bow. Yeah, I, I, I think I've mentioned I'm not massively in favour of um, putting the bows on the raiders uh, and potentially losing more points if they go down. But I I do think it's something I need to playtest. Uh, and it is something I'm going to playtest to sort of... Uh, broaden my horizons on that because I haven't really played cavalry like that. And then one Harad rider with uh, war spear, yeah, good. And four bowmen, uh, so that makes that first war band uh, ten out of eighteen models, two hundred twenty points. Now this is uh, this next war band is one of the sort of points that I thought was quite interesting of uh, Thomas the Rays um, because I think I commented in the last podcast. That uh, for Chris's second warband, uh, I think we were just talking about possibly having a, a chieftain, uh, which obviously isn't really an optimized choice. So uh, what Thomas has put here is uh, uh, Hash Arin, the the assassin heroes, who I believe have strike, which is the reason that Thomas has included. But I think I'm correct in saying that they only have one might. So yeah, I've actually uh, brought up the stats on Battlescribe now, and yeah, they're ha- ha- uh, I'm just going to call him Assassin Hero, because uh, I don't want to get ridiculed for continually saying that wrong. So yeah, they're Fight Skill 5, hit on a 3+, Strength 4, Defense 4, Attacks 3, which is very nice, uh, 2 Wounds, Courage 4, Might 1, Will 1, Fate 3, and they've got strike and they've got defense. And I think from my, my short conversation with Thomas on this, he's included the the assassin hero because they get that strike. Um, my only concern, I, I definitely see how this is a better choice than Haradim Chieftain I was talking about. So I pre- preface it with that, is that with that bringing it in there with that strike, that my intent would obviously be to send that after a hero, someone that I'm going to strike up to. And with only having one might, I've only got one shot at it. So that is my reservation. And also defense four, which is obviously 
awful against heroes because they're almost certainly going to have strength four. So they'd be wounding me back on fours. Um, obviously, they do have the three fate, which would certainly help, and you can't be trapped. So that does that certainly does help. But yeah, I, I think it for eighty points, it does feel a bit like a glass cannon in a glass cannon list. You know, oh, oh my glass cannon. So, but I do think that's food for thought. The other thing that Thomas also did mention, which I am more leaning towards, I quite like the idea of, is for seventy-five points and get Raza. I'm a little hesitant to buy him for Forge World, but say I do do that, you've got your um, special rule that you can select someone else in the ar- army as your target, and when you fight them, you go up to fight skill six. That is very useful for free. Strength four, defense five, which gives you that extra the uh, extra protection against strength four heroes. So you're not being wounded on fours; you're being wounded on fives. Defense, yeah, defense five, also with three attacks, with two wounds, five courage, three might, which is what I really like. One will, one fight. He's got strike challenge, which obviously I'm never going to use. Uh, and a hero fortitude, um, and bane of kings, which I believe allows you to re-roll all wo- uh, all wound rolls. Uh, let's just double check that. Yeah, you can re-roll all failed to wound rolls, which yeah I think is very nice. So very very killing. In fairness, uh, I'd have to do the maths on what's better to be wounded on fives and you can't be trapped, or or having the three fate. Three fate is obviously fifty fifty. I don't know. I, I I'm not smart enough to figure that out off the top of my head but i'm more leaning towards raza because you get that three might Uh, yeah definitely food for thought so thank you for that specific point thomas so in the rest of that warband he's got him accompanied with six abracan guard definitely like that i've got six abracan guard i'm well on board for that two watches of karna uh, with twin blades also exactly what i've got in my list and four harrod spears backing them up. I quite like that warband. That is very sort of on par with what I'm thinking in parts of my list. Uh, He's then got the Betrayer on horse, who is accompanied by 11 Haradim with bow and spear, and three Watchers of Karna with bow. So I believe what um, Thomas is perhaps thinking a bit different here is although he's got the Betrayer on horse, so he's obviously got uh, mobility and option to move elsewhere in the army is using uh, the the poison rule you get from the betrayer to get fee- full rerolls on the bows, which is definitely something we've considered. However, in our list, the betrayer is basically in a full uh, mounted uh, warband because that's primarily how we're thinking of using him, getting him in there with those lances and getting the full rerolls, which I think can be particularly nasty. But that, that's just a different way of going about it. And obviously he's got the horse, so he could move over to a, a, another warband. The, the, so that's 14 out of uh, 15 potential members in that warband, uh, totaling 245 points. Then in the final warband is Harad King for 60 points. Again, we do differ a little bit there. I'm definitely, uh, I'm for sure, bringing Harad King on horse with a lance. Uh, I think... You, I, I want that fight skill 5 on, on horse with a lance. Uh, then 4 Abracan Guard, uh, a, 1 Serpent Guard, 3 Harad uh, Spear, and 4 Harad with Bow. So that rounds out the army as 24 Bows, uh, which is 50% capacity, 48 Troops, 
four heroes, 52 models total. And yeah, I think that is a very valid way of running uh, the same setup that we're doing, just with different models. And uh, yeah, I think the main thing I want to think about there is definitely that fourth hero, whether to have the assassin, whether to have Raza. Uh, that's definitely primarily what's got my, uh, my, my brain turning over. Um, from those suggestions so thank you for that Thomas I do appreciate you uh, taking the, the time to give me your thoughts I will have to sit down and formally write up the, the list and not have it so much in flux but I would say the main differences for from our list is we do have a lot more cavalry in our list and basically all the infantry is just some spear, spears with bows and then the specialists in the form of Abrakan Guard uh, and watches of Kana, with the, the idea being that the archers basically sit out in front, uh, absolutely peppering while providing uh, protection for the uh, for the specialists. When we close uh, ranks and things get a lot closer, the um, the spearmen slash bowmen then step back to support with the extra attack, and the Abrakan guard and the watchers of Kana start to do uh, their business. I expect you've probably just uh, included a, one serpent guard on foot just because she had an extra point or two there. Um, but yeah, uh, unless we've got surplus like that, we're also not going to run any serpent guard on uh, on foot and they're just going to be our dismounts. The only other thing I would really say is I'm not. we have to see how many serpent guard we wind up playing i think we do actually have six now uh serpent riders between me and chris we um we've maybe got a little bit carried away with our spending so we wound up with more than i thought but we probably don't want to buy any more models so i'm probably not going to run more than six abracan guards just from a cost perspective and i'm probably not going to run more than three watches of Kana again from a, a uh, cost perspective but yeah Thank you for that, Thomas. Uh, definitely interesting to go over that and compare someone else's thinking and uh, from a player that's more uh, experienced than myself. Who knows? Uh, I am going to start playing my list in practice games. Uh, maybe in a few episodes, I'll come back and, uh, uh, you know, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, I Well, I don't think your list is wrong. I think this is just a different way of doing it. But uh, I need to see um, how my list plays and uh, whether I like how that plays. Maybe, uh, yeah, one week I should assemble this list as best I can and, and play that and see how that goes. That, that would definitely be interesting. But yeah, thanks again for that. So yeah, the final point in this segment normally would just be to uh, to give you an update on our Articon preparations. Uh, I've obviously gone into that at length uh, earlier in the podcast, so I'm not going to go over it all again. Just like, yeah, uh, summing it up, uh, Chris won't be coming to Articon. Uh, I'm holding off on selling his ticket off at the moment, but I am open to offers. So uh, please contact us at middleearthinmercia at gmail.com or uh, on in Instant Messenger on Facebook if you meet the criteria I laid out earlier. I, I, I think I will probably be forced into a decision point uh, when the accommodation is announced um uh, if i haven't managed to find a doubles partner then by that point i think we'll have a chat with the guys uh see if any of them want to step up uh if they're not able to then i think i will just have to at that point swallow the pill that i won't be able to find the doubles partner and i i'll just have to accept that yeah i will waste 
half of my ticket and uh, I'm only going to be able to do the singles and um, uh, the, the Friday night fun tournament. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. It'd be really great if I uh, if, if I can find a new doubles partner or if maybe by the time the accommodation is announced, if one of the guys here uh, is feeling confident enough that they would like to come. So yeah, we'll we're, we're revisit that in two weeks time. Hopefully, I've got some good news, and uh, you know the, the future will be bright by then. But yeah, that, that's it on that. So on to new releases and news in general about Middle Earth. So I haven't heard anything down the grapevine or anything like that about any tournaments specifically or anything like that. So I've got no news on that. But on the releases front, obviously discussed before about Grimbjorn and the Bjornings. They are now up for pre-order on Forge World. So we've got the, the Grimbjorn model, which has been confirmed as £44 little bit pricey even for forge world though so i'll just leave it at that and then we've got the bjornings uh they are 23 pounds uh for the three and they've got alternate posings available for either the axes or the bows so yeah if that seems good to you if you like those models head over to forge world now and uh, they're available for pre-order i hope you all enjoy them other than that me and chris did actually manage to miss discussing specifically in detail about the dragon emperor for the easterlings and the new black dragon warriors and uh yeah i just want to talk about them quickly well i mean what can i say absolutely stunning models i i think taken in isolation i have no criticisms about the look of these models whatsoever i think they're awesome however taken in the context of the whole army I do find it a little strange that they have fairly significantly, it looks like to me, changed the proportions or the scale of the Eastling uh, Black Dragons. And I do wonder how they will look when they're lined up with the normal models. And I look forward to seeing some armies with them side by side, really. Uh, hopefully it meshes well, but I did. that was one thing I, I, I picked up on. Uh, I think it would be nice if they did sell, because obviously you can have the Dragon Emperor I believe without his mount, it would or and, and if they don't, it would be nice if they did rules uh, without him and sold the model individually because obviously, uh, yeah. Again, I don't want to just bang on about price. Uh, I've heard other people do it and it, it gets boring, so I'm going to try and skim over it as quickly as possible. But a two pound fifty is a lot, and it would be nice if uh, they did just offer that dismounted version so for the people that maybe their budget doesn't stretch so far. But yeah. In, in terms of looks, uh, I love both of them. Both of them get me excited uh, to do a uh, Easterlink Force and that Dragon Emperor on his, uh, is it Palaquin, I believe they call it? Uh, what a great centerpiece model. Really is beautiful. And uh, from what I've heard, uh, it's not too bad on the, the cleanup. I have found, like, obviously, we've got the fine cast for the main range. I find that uh, resin very frustrating, but when I've bought, I've only bought Warhammer 40k Forge World products, uh, I find their resin to be a lot more resilient, uh, a lot easier to clean up. So I, I expect that it's similar. And if you do find any faults, I, I've got first hand experience with the Forge World customer service, absolutely top notch. Uh, I think the Games Workshop customer service is good anyway. Uh, but Forge World takes it to another level. They do seem to appreciate the fact you're spending a lot of money with them. Uh, you expect those models to be perfect. Uh, well, not perfect. 
there is some expectation that you're going to be able to straighten out spears and the like. But if you've got something that's completely miscast, like a face, some sort of important detail with that, they will sort it out straight away for you. So yeah, I'm going to, we again, also didn't do scores for these last weeks. Uh, these tick all the boxes for me. It's expanding an existing force, which could do with better support. It's bringing in models for profiles that we've got and we don't have models for. So I am going to take the price into a, fa uh, into a factor. I'm going to give the Easterling Black Dragon Warriors 8 out of 10. They're only losing uh, points there because I do think these are overpriced. And I am going to give the Dragon Emperor a 7 out of 10 for the same reason. But great beautiful models if your budget stretched it stretches to you, to that and you enjoy the way they look which i think is the most important thing don't buy model unless you're a power gamer meta gamer don't buy models in my opinion based on rules buy on what you love because you're in you enjoy making them you enjoy painting them every time you see them on that shelf uh it's gonna bring that feeling back and that lasts a lot longer than perhaps flip fleeting enjoyment of the rules which may well change and um yeah i've got one model which is a uh raven guard contemptor uh dreadnought that i bought from forge world i think with all the weapon options that probably cost me about 75 quid that's not something i would usually buy but i was just absolutely in love with it bought it i had my eye on it for a long time and yeah there'll be people pointing at me being like do you spend uh 75 pounds on one model with dreadnought but i've never regretted that so if these float your boat, you can afford it, go for it. I uh, hope you really enjoy them. Uh, yeah, great models. So I expect when this is all edited together that this will wind up being a bit of a shorter one this week. And that's just really because I haven't quite managed to make the schedules work with any of the guys to get them on. Hopefully that will change next week. And also I probably would have tried to hold on for another week and include one of those. But just with the with the news uh, from Chris, I, I kind of just wanted to get that discussion over and done with on here so that uh, I can move on, really. And thank you for listening along. I have found it quite cathartic to just sort of really lay out my thoughts about that and, and my disappointment and then move on and focus on the stuff that I, I can still enjoy and I am still looking forward to. And yeah, if, uh, if you do know someone that might be able to be my uh, doubles partner, please get in contact. And uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, I know I've already mentioned it, but I'd really appreciate to hear from you. So thank you, everyone. This does feel like uh, a bit different from the last two weeks, but hopefully you've enjoyed it. We will hopefully return to our established sort of framework of, of having somebody on next week. I've got some great ideas, I feel, for the podcast moving forward that I'm excited about. I really want to do a battle report. And I know you may be saying, hang on, battle report on an audio format, but I have got an idea of how I can make it work. It's not going to be sort of, you know, a proper 40 minute as you might watch on YouTube, but I think as a 10 to 15 minute segment on the podcast, I think I've got an idea of how I can make it work. So I'm looking forward to doing that. But yeah, guys, hopefully I haven't dragged you down too much. My disappointment, hopefully I have able to push that to one side for the majority of the podcast but thank you for listening along once again i am really enjoying doing the podcast i am really enjoying gearing up for these tournaments and the fact that uh, so many of you are listening along with me on this journey uh yeah it's, it's uh re really um taking it to another level so thanks i hope you have a great two weeks in your personal lives i hope you have a great two weeks in the hobby 
I look forward to speaking to you again in two weeks' time. Have a great one, guys. Cheers.